You look very Steve Jobs today. You look like Steve Jobs. It's my new look. It's been a while since uh, we had you here. It's been about uh, 10 episodes. Yeah. You were like, I, I finish. I finish my whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, wait, can I be in? No, I just finish it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even what happened. You don't. You didn't have a computer. We're recording this because you're literally on your friend's computer while she's visiting you for like seven days. I, I want to say uh, we. I don't have a, a charger. So um, I'm, I'm using. So that's why you said you have 45 minutes. Yeah, I'm using this computer for 10 minutes every day. (laughs) (laughs) Juli, Julieta, I have some flashcard questions for you. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say you're an executive at a leading search engine company, okay? So it's like a Google, all right? But uh, you went out for drinks one night with like a random stranger that you met. And then you ended up having a, a one night stand with them. Okay. Okay. And you go to work the next day and you see that person in your office pitching a project to you and your team. What do you do? I, I take him to the bathroom. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, what do I do? Just, I play stupid. You play stupid? Yeah. You just play. Like you don't know who he yeah, is? Yeah, you just forgot. And then. He would be like, oh my gosh, he doesn't remember. Everything's good. So your your answer is to just pretend like it never happened. It happened. Okay. And pretend like you still don't know each other. Yeah. Because I'm a CEO, right? I should be like... No, no, you're not a CEO. You're you're an executive. I mean, you're you're still powerful. Your, your rank is very high, but you're not a CEO. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> then what? Maybe. You change your yeah, mind? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, what do you change your mind to? Uh, no, I will try not to uh, engage. I will try to be a CEO and then they will fuck him in the bathroom. Is that a good answer? You're not a CEO, but you're going to try to be a CEO and fuck him in the bathroom? Okay, so you're an ambitious woman. Uh-huh. All right. Very good. All right, question number two. After getting unjustly fired uh, for a job you were told to do at your work, you circulate a company-wide email questioning the ethics of your former mentor, former friend, former supervisor, all right? This woman then walks up to you and slaps you across the face at your new job. What do you do? <laughs> Wait, so so I, I someone slaps me in the face because I did this? I wrote this email or what? Yes, you wrote this email. You were very upset with her. <laughs> for firing you uh well i i think i will i will call the police <laughs> <laughs> you would call the police well, I, okay i just got assaulted i mean yes I, you to did be honest okay in the past i might slap in the face a few boyfriends but okay in the past you know in 2015 that was okay <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in 2021, it's no good. It's no good. Like now, it's okay. back back in the day in 2015, it was all right. It was passion. It was all Latin passion. <laughs> but now it's not good. Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. So you're at work. All right. And uh, suddenly, your name is the top search engine result word. It's the trending word. Your name, and the rumors say that the actor who just attempted suicide did it. Because he was a former host bar employee, like a called boy, to you at a bar. 
And then this tabloid story, which is completely untrue, it's baseless. But they said that you, your face, your name, it's like all over the internet. They're saying that it's you, that that this person attempted suicide because, you know, he used to service you and he's unhappy about it. And now he's an actor and like this has been exposed and he's, he's attempting suicide. Um, what do you do? Well, this reminds me a lot of like Ellen DeGeneres story. So maybe I should see what Ellen DeGeneres did. They just did like a really apologetic a video and then everyone was like that's shit <laughs> Poor okay um, so okay I'm... so you're gonna go with a, a pr tactic that ellen degeneres did that did not work no. successfully and then i will try to uh, heal the world from climate change <laughs> <laughs> okay you are now a young ceo in your own music production company okay you're a man you're tall you're handsome you're in your late 20s and you're dating a female executive mm -hmm. who is 10 years older than you all right and while on a date you run into your mom okay and your girlfriend introduces herself to your mom as your coworker what do you do well um to be honest, I'm a man, right? So I wouldn't really give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if, okay. If I was probably this, if I was a female, I would be like, oh. but as a man, I would, as a man. I would be, okay. <laughs> do I have strong feelings for this lady? Yes, you do. You actually like her a lot more than she likes well, you. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's a problem right there. <laughs> yeah. So you, you think that in a relationship, a man and a woman, or a woman and a woman and a man and a man and whatever. whatever. I mean, come on. It's, it's 2021. It's, it's not 2015 anymore. No. Yeah. Anything goes. So uh, in a relationship, when two people are involved, they should love each other equally, equal amount. No more, no less. It has to be 50-50 exactly. Actually, you know what? Um, I run with... Um... I was talking with my therapist the other day, and she said, ah, oh, that's not yeah. true. Everything is asymmetrical. Oh. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this, the whole thing wrong for 35 years. <laughs> I'll be like, but he doesn't love me the same. Oh. It's, it's not, it's not a, it's not. It can't be helped. No, it's asymmetrical. Oh. It's like our bodies, you know, like I'm a bit fucked up. That <laughs> <laughs> last question. You're the female executive again, okay? Same lady, all right? Your boyfriend wants a commitment. He wants marriage and children, but you have zero interest in marriage or children. You, like, you broke up with so many people in the past because you said you don't want kids, you don't want marriage, and all these guys were like, I don't get you, so they broke up with you. You like this person very much. You, you love him, all right? But your vision for the future together is not the same as his what do you do well i guess everything that everyone has done in every telenovela you marry that person <laughs> okay you lock them in and then there's nothing they can do even though you don't want to marry this person yeah that's the fucking problem here the problem is you don't want marriage you don't want children oh. he wants it he wants both of these things that's why it's a problem oh, oh, uh, therapy therapy for couples couple therapy <laughs> okay all right you know, in, okay in, in, two, in 2015 that was what i think 
uh, that was not a thing. Uh, couples therapy did not exist in 2015. No, you slapped someone yeah. in the face and you're like, I don't want to have kids. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Slapping in the face would have been the answer in 2015. But, but now, in 2021? It's talking. <laughs> Can you believe You talk it out. Talk it out. Okay, Julieta. That's all I needed from oh, you. Thank you. This was really fun. This was great. I'm so happy that um, you're living your Steve Jobs life. And I like your nail color. It's oh, very thanks. pretty. I also have it in my feet. Oh, well, okay. That's... <laughs> you didn't need to see that. That's all right. I'm sorry. Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. a very feminist drama it's very lesbian uh it's a very queer show it's called search www and it came out last year well two years ago now it came out in 2019 summer and it's a tvn drama written by kwon do eun who is a relatively young new up-and-coming writer she worked with writer kim eun suk I guess Kim Eun-suk was her mentor. She worked with her for, for a long time and um, helped write big hits alongside of her. And Kim Eun-suk is, of course, she's responsible for like Descendants of the Sun, Goblin, Gentleman's Dignity, Mr. Sunshine, most recently, The King, Eternal Monarch. You know, you, you already know her work. You know her work very well. So this is Kim Do-eun's debut work, and I've got to say it is extremely original, highly progressive, and highly transgressive in, number, in a number of ways. Um, this is a, one of the few Korean dramas that I'm currently writing about for my next academic book project, which will be on Korean dramas and audience reception in the United States. I love this show because it focuses on strong and successful women, and this is just a very queer drama because of these three women all right it's a very lesbian drama like it's hard to even say that queerness is a subtext or or an undertone on the show because it has very strong suggestions that this is a love triangle between these three women and even though each woman does have a male love interest uh the the men on the show are very peripheral to the main narrative like they're barely i mean they're like the men are just there for very specific reasons and it's like they're not the primary motives of these female characters so pitami is the main character she's the main protagonist she's an executive who got fired at a leading search engine company called unicon and then she goes to unicon's competitor paro where she starts working with her nemesis named scarlet and uh, when Scarlett was in high school, her Korean name's Chaehyun. They just do this thing where, like, at their job, they all have English names. Um, everybody speaks to one another very formally, and it's like it's like a, a work culture thing. When Chaehyun or Scarlett was in high school, she fell in love with Song Ga-kyung at first sight, and they have this Sunbe Hube relationship, which Petami also used to have with Ga-kyung. When they worked together at Unicon, you know, like Song Ga-kyung was 
Hitami's mentor, supervisor, friend, and all of that, but it all went to shit after Kagyung got married to some toxic family. There's a scene when Kagyung almost gets hit by a motorcycle when she steps outside to have a smoke, and then Scarlet grabs Kagyung, and then the there's this slow motion effect. The lights start to brighten up, and then you hear this music, and there's this intense eye contact between Kagyung and Scarlet throughout this moment. It's just very suggestive of romance and tension and all these things. It's very erotic. And then when Kagyung and Tami are at a negotiation table to discuss business terms, they use Scarlet there as the primary um, candidate that you know one of the two parties needs to hand over to the other right there's tension over scarlet between these two executives and it's it's portrayed like a business transaction but really it's a fight it's a love fight over scarlet there's this very fierce yet toxic yet astounding matriarchal presence on this show so it's kagyung's mother-in-law who is also the chairwoman of of ku which is a huge corporate conglomerate that owns Unicon, and Kagyong is um, the mother-in-law's pawn or puppet in many of the scenarios throughout the show. Uh, and when Kagyong threatens to divorce her husband, the chairwoman's son, the chairwoman says that she has no right to threaten divorce because she's the one who who made this marriage happen. So divorces are also going to be her decision. And then Kagyung's husband calls his mother a stalker of her own daughter-in-law. And this is very true. In fact, the chairwoman says outright that Kagyung is hers. It belongs to her, not to her son. So this possessiveness here is extremely queering. Like her hairstyle, like the fact that she tattoos men for fun. <laughs> it's like she's like got extreme intense queer butch energy. It's amazing. Kagyung is a wealthy woman, but she's been prostituted off by her Cheboy family for business purposes because her father's business went to shit and they needed KU's support. So uh, Kagyung was handed over to KU as the Myeonri, as the daughter-in-law, who is uh, a great and savvy employee. And that pretty much ruins Kagyung's life, her integrity, all of that. So this is a very different take on the whole poor girl forced to labor for her family kind of narrative that you've seen in other Korean dramas. It's typically a poor girl who's sort of prostituted off for labor. But in this case, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter what class you're in. Women will be treated for business purposes, for money purposes, for purposes that go beyond her own desire and intent. So the lack of agency that Kagyung has is quite interesting, despite the fact that she's this executive at a company and she's very, very wealthy. The obsessions that take hold on this show always go from woman to woman, not so much woman to man. Sometimes there's some um, there's some male to female obsess obsession, but it's mostly like women wanting other women's attention and men are just distractions or they are only there for comfort and support at the women's beck and call. Like they're, the men in this show are pretty much proven as 
non-essentials. Yeah. And I, I found this quite refreshing. You don't see a lot of wrist grabbing and yanking and force kissing on this show. If and when there are wrist grabbing and yanking, it's usually between the women. The sexual aggressors on the show are also mostly the women. Sometimes the wrist grabbing and yanking happens when like Scarlet grabs and yanks her um, you know, her Sunbe when she grabs Kagyung and drags her somewhere, or Scarlet will grab Tami by the wrist and drag her somewhere. So Scarlet has this very strong butch lesbian energy, but you don't really see men grabbing women's wrists and dragging them off somewhere, which is like a common trope in Korean dramas. And I, I, I really appreciated that sort of gender reversal. The CEO of Unicon also has an intensely butch queer energy in the way that she dresses and carries herself. Like her jewelry is ridiculous, her hair color, her makeup, all of that. She wears these like awesome suits, like power suits. It's, it's just amazing. There's one scene when Petami is at the office and her love interest Park Mugan shows up. And when he does, his hair is different, like it's slicked back, his shirt is slightly unbuttoned, and Tommy scolds him for wearing such revealing clothes and tells him not to show off his forehead like that because it will attract other women. And when Park Mogun gets sick, Petami holds him in her arm like like as a, like an arm pillow, which is typically like, you know, again, there's this gender role reversal. It's usually the other way around. Usually like the girl will be like sitting outside in the rain for a while. She'll get she'll catch a cold and get sick and then the man will run over to her. But this was completely the other way around. It's like the men are oftentimes in vulnerable positions, fiscally, physically, socially, whatever, whatever the conditions are. And it's like the women who are very strong, very centered, and they come in and they try to mitigate the men's um, insecurities somehow. When Petami addresses Park Mugan, she speaks to him informally, uh, while Mugan addresses her formally. And this is due to their 10-year age gap, which is also like quite transgressive and you know, progressive, whatever. But it's usually like the women who address the men formally while the men address the women informally in a lot of these romance situations in Korean dramas. And I really liked this reversal as well. Like suddenly, oh, she's the one that deserves respect. She's the one that's in power. Let's switch it up. I found it extremely refreshing. Also, all of the women on this show are really terrible at housework which I also appreciated. Like, Petami doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. Park Mugun is good at both. Uh, Song Ga-kyung is a horrible cook, but, but her husband knows how to cook. Search WWW also shows how women don't necessarily have to be good at domestic work. They can be very successful in, in the business world. They are smart, savvy people. They know how to negotiate. They also know how to maintain a strong bond despite the competitiveness. I thought that was a beautiful thing. Some fun facts. Actress Chun Hijin, who plays Ka Gyeong, was in another drama with Im Soo Jung years ago, like 15 years ago, in a show called I'm Sorry, I Love You. And Chun Hijin played a mentally disabled older sister to Im Soo Jung's love interest, who was played by Soji Sup. 
Oh my gosh. If you haven't seen I'm Sorry I Love You, you have to see it. It's a classic. It came out in 2004 and it's an amazing show. It's super depressing. Music is really great. Acting is really great. It's awesome. Please see it if you haven't. Tan Hee-jin is also married to actor Lee Seung-kyun, the lead in My Mister. He also plays the rich father in Parasite. So there you go. And I love that Kagyung and Tami have such substantial roles in Search WWW because in I'm Sorry I Love You, like their agency as women was like completely diminished. And it's nice to see the progress that came about in TV screenwriting over these last, you know, close to two decades so that these actresses can play roles that carry more female strength and complexity and substance. There is this respect for one another as strong women that is shared across all all five of the women, essentially. And that's really nice to see on television, you know? It's nice to see strong women on TV um, exhibiting complex layers to their character. I really appreciated that. Today I'm going to talk to Sandaria Thapa. She used to be a doctorate candidate at UCLA. In fact, she was a few years ahead of me and she was my uh, teaching assistant coordinator when I was a uh, first year graduate student at UCLA back in 20, 2015. My goodness, it's been a while. Um, and Sandaria decided not to complete her doctorate, but to quit. And she now works in the film industry here in Los Angeles. She works at Creative Artists Agency, or CAA, one of the biggest agencies um, out there today. And Sandaria is a big fan of Korean drama, so it was really fun talking to her. Let's chat with Sandaria Thapa. Uh, so you don't miss academia at all, huh? Nah, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, um, you know, it was a difficult choice to leave, but I don't miss it. Yeah. yeah. What were you um, writing about again? I was working on Nepali film history. Right. Um, and kind of like the intersections of um, that and other visual media with the state. What period? It was mid-century, so like 1950s, wow. 60s. Yeah. You know, I was looking at um, like old school, because right now, actually just yesterday, I started teaching my my uh, Collegium of University Teaching Fellows oh, class. QTF. So, yeah. The, CUTF, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's basically a fellowship where um, in your last year of the PhD, you get to teach your own undergraduate seminar, right? And actually, I learned about that from you, because mm -hmm. I remember we were at the bus, like UCLA Bruin bus stop. And uh, I just bumped into you like outside of the gym area, um, and uh, and then you were talking about CUTF, and I was like, "What is that?" And he told me, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want that!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun experience. Um, it is so great. Like, yeah, um, I was a little bit nervous, but I was just like, "Oh, this is great!" Like, I'm teaching something I want to teach. All the students in here care about this topic, you know. Yeah. I was looking through archives to basically give students like like a taste of what Korean TV history is like, like what it's mm -hmm. about. So when when was the first television um, brought to Korea? What's the first television network station? Um, mm. You know, what was the first Korean drama ever? You know, things like that. And uh, just like looking at old school archives and like... Um, yeah, it, it was like so, so interesting to me. I don't know how interesting it was to them, but I was just like, like, 
whoa. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What was it? What was the first um, TV show that came? Um, it was this. It it wasn't even a show. Like they didn't have they. Like television was new, right in the 1950s. Mm. So it was a novel concept to everybody, um, including Americans. But um, they they brought it to Korea, where they just like had no fucking concept of it, right? So like RCA Radio, Radio Corporation of America, they're the ones who brought it to Korea first, and um, and they were trying to create programming for Koreans by Koreans, essentially. Um, so like this network, this station called. HLKZ was the first one that they established in 56 and then the first Korean drama ever was technically it was a theater production right like that's yeah. how all television was it was initially theater and so it was just like like I guess just still frame and they just filmed the the the, the theater and it was like um, I guess 15 to 30 minutes like some sources say 15 others say 30 minutes but it was just like two people and um, it was called Heaven's Gate. And it's like these two people who end up in heaven after death. But they led like lives while stealing. Like they were thieves in their mm -hmm. actual living lives. And um, so they just talk about what their lives were like in this play that was televised. So that was the oh. first K Korean drama ever. That's so interesting because it's kind of like um, a radio show. Essentially, uh, yeah. Because it's just like two people talking. Um, yeah. You know, in Nepal, uh, TV came like... T TV technology came much later mm. um, and so it was actually I not entirely sure um, but I think it was in the 80s um, mm. that it really super took off it was so super late oh. and um, my mom's dad was a musician and I remember oh God, um, I he used to go um, to play like the harmonium and the TV shows, like, I mean, one of the TV shows was they would just record these musicians yeah. playing live music. And that was like the TV show. Oh, I love that. You yeah. know, I noticed that that's, that's a thing all the time. Like, music is so big. Like, even in Korean, like, the, I looked at the first program ever. So, like, they were in TV sets all over Korea at the time. So, they put it in public squares and, like, you know, mm. like, town centers and things like that. And that was, like, the first live broadcast. It was on May 12, 1956. And, it, like, all these people came out to, like, parks and squares to watch television yeah. live broadcast. And if you look at the program, it's, like, music, dance, you know, music. And at the very end, it's like movie, you know, but like, yeah. mu like to this day, Koreans will turn on like as a family, they'll turn on like, like around eight or 9 p.m. They'll turn on and watch just people singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. Like, that's interesting. Just so to watch like people the, sing. Is that the public like national uh, station that's not doing super commercial things? They still have programming like that. the public broadcasting. Yes. Yeah. But um, public broadcasters in Korea are actually like the most viewed channels. Um, oh. Yeah, that's been changing only like in the last five, six years, yeah. literally. Yeah, because is, it um, because is it because they have like more outreach and like every you just need a TV and it catches it in the airwaves? I think it's because it's free. Yes. Yeah. But also because um, they just they just have the most, uh, I don't know, influence and um, they have like news, they have dramas, they have variety shows. Um, they have pretty decent programming. Um, yeah. And it, like KBS, the Korean broadcasting system, that's the one that's uh, 
the public broadcaster, but there's actually another public broadcaster. This was actually, it started out as a commercial broadcaster, a private one, and then um, the military dictatorship in the 60s and 70s, like they basically like held guns to like the network executives. Like, you need to hand it over. Like this is ours now, you know, because um, the the military dictator, um, they just knew, like they he knew that TV is like, the best form of propaganda and outreach to control yeah. the people, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they, they, um, as a result, they were able to build pretty decent programming. Um, but nowadays, like in the last, f literally like five years in the last five, not even, it's not even 10 years. It's not that long. It's like five, six, seven years. Um, cable, cable network broadcast i mean cable network programming has really like become very refined very mm -hmm. popular and a lot of these like netflix shows that um that people are watching they originate from cable uh distribution yeah so like tv and jtbc but yeah it's a uh, uh, korean television's um changing drastically and honestly like all of it is pretty much owned by one company um the cable channel fucking jtbc tvn they're all like if you look at the lineage they all go back to samsung <laughs> oh <laughs> okay you know like uh, yeah. when you're watching korean movies you see that logo cj uh-huh it stands for Jedang, and that's a food conglomerate cj right. and they own cj entertainment which has film division which but did parasite they did. They produced Most Parasite. Recently well known to mm -hmm. everyone. Yes, they right. produced Parasite. But and that Mickey Lee chick, she's you know, Samsung, <laughs> Samsung daughter. Um, she, she is. She is. She is. I had no idea. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Whenever their sense. their last names are Lee <laughs> and they have money, you could assume that they have something to do with. So it's like Samsung um, is associated with CJ and CJ has like entertainment sectors and then of that they also have Studio Dragon. Studio Dragon produces all those Korean dramas that people adore and TVN and JTBC are also tied to um, CJ and they're they're always like oh we're not a monopoly you know like we're all separate I'm like but all of your family members are like the heads of these you know institutions so what the fuck are you yeah. talking about you're not a conglomerate you're one big family you know wow that's so crazy well, yeah good for them <laughs> <laughs> right they have like a steady supply of amazing good-looking talent that will work in everything for them like... everything and that's actually yeah. one of the biggest reasons why you see so much eating on television okay i was actually going to ask you about this yes um that one of the reasons why I think I gravitated towards K-dramas so much yeah. was because of how much they eat in it. <laughs> and it's actually yeah. like really gratifying to watch. I mean, yeah. now everyone, there's like, my Instagram is like, you know, just bombarded by all these terrible videos of people eating stuff and terrible <laughs> sounds. But b before that, I did really enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Um, so is that, so th that's why, that's why they're eating so much because it's product placement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's easy product placement. Even in Parasite, how much fucking food do they eat? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, let's like to be fair, the the chapaguri that they're eating, that ramen thing, 
is um, actually lotte. Like, japageri and noguri are lotte associated, I believe. It's not um, CJ products, but nonetheless, it's still a food conglomerate, whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, this is just my theory. I'm not like 100% sure, but like, that's the only explanation for it is like, Jejedang and lotte, these film and like, you know, media entertainment um, companies are actually food conglomerates. Like, that's their bread and butter. And then they own the entertainment industry. And it's like, well, we sell food. This is a visual medium. Let's fucking put food, like eating in every single seat. They're at a cafe. They're at a restaurant. At home, they're eating ramen. You know, at home, they're eating instant foods, you know, like all the time, you know, snacks all the time, booze all the time, you know. And it's like, that's... 100% product placement at all times. Yeah, or even like in like variety shows, we've talked about this a little bit before, mm-hmm. where they like play all these games and the yeah. prize is like this Korean always beef food. set. Yeah, and it's, like, it's always food. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the obsession with Koreans and food goes back to like the fact that Koreans were starving all the time, you know, like not mm. that long ago, you know, um, like the 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 aftermath of the Korean War was just like, you know, it was like Korea was mostly refugees and mostly homeless people, mostly people starving. And um, except for Samsung family people, (laughs) but like um, they, you know, because there was so much starvation, like the, the insa, like the greeting that you do to people is always, have you eaten? You know, that's what they, that's the first thing they ask you when they see you. It's like, oh, hey, have you eaten yet? You know, and it's like, no, I haven't. And then it's like, oh my God, why haven't you eaten? We need to feed you right now. So there's yeah. this obsession with food because of the long history and trauma of starvation. But um, obviously, Korea is like, you know, a fat piece of shit these days. You know, <laughs> they eat too much. Um, I read um, this book recently called Pachinko. Oh, yeah. And um, it's like a crazy long, um, it takes place over a very long time. Mm. Um, but it starts from like, you know, when Korea was um, a Japanese colony mm-hmm. and like a lot of these women, the only way they could earn a living was by like peddling food. Mm. Like, so I think food has been an integral part of that type of like survival also mm. um, for people who, you know, don't have access to much yeah like selling um the family migrates from korea to japan and then i think they sell i don't know if they sell kimchi i don't know i want to say kimchi but maybe they sell something else but Mm -hmm. they sell food this family like these women yeah do they forage the food or do they grow it themselves no this was in a city so i don't think they were like it was but it was like more like street snack type things you know yeah, like even if you look at modern Korean literature, like written during the colonial occupation, um, there's a lot of that. Like, there's this one short story. Actually, like the the title of that book I translated, like a few years ago. I translated f- solely for money. Like, I just needed because you know, as we know, UCLA they don't give us any funding for the summer months, right? We're <laughs> right. left on our own. So, um, I was translating this collection. Um, it was a select collection of short stories written by Kim, uh, Kim Dong-in. Um, he's a Korean modernist. And like the title of that is called Potatoes. I translated as Sweet Potatoes because that's more accurate in the North Korean dialect. But um, it's about a woman who gets caught stealing 
a sweet potato from a Chinese, like wealthy man's garden. And um, he basically says, you need to have sex with me and be my mistress if you don't want to like die or, you know, get punished for stealing from my garden. And so um, she becomes his mistress. But then one day he gets a bride shipped in, a much younger, cuter bride. And she grows envious of this bride and tries to murder her or murder him. And she like holds up like a like a farm tool to murder one of them. And then um, something happens and that thing ends up killing her. Um, And that's the end of the story. She steals a damn potato and then dies? Oh, man. No, she steals a damn potato. She ends up becoming a prostitute to him. And then she dies. (laughs) What a life. Man. People who were born, like, you know, like, even like 75 years ago. (laughs) Like, yeah, they had a rough time, man. It's fucked up. Like, yeah. I, I was just like, man, they can't catch a break. It's always got to do with food, you know? It's so sad. And then the fact that, you know, Koreans make mukbang videos, right? Like, mm-hmm. those videos are, I don't know if it's like an homage that continues on with this obsession or it's if it's like part of the, the Korean government's campaign because they were campaigning very heavily to make Korea like a globalized nation a globalized culture and korean food was pushed very hard as part of that campaign you know Mm. branding korea as a global globally um like globally appreciated appreciated country you know like bibimbap like who the fuck doesn't know what bibimbap is anymore you know like and whenever Mm. i go to like a korean restaurant and like white people let's order bibimbap i'm like why why would we order the most basic fucking dish you know (laughs) Like I make bibimbap every day. It's just you With just like, throw in leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, it's like a, that's something we eat when we're broke as shit. You know, like yeah. when I'm broke as fuck, I make bibimbap. That's like a pauper's dish. All right, when I'm at a Korean restaurant, I want to get some like you know some meat or fish or something nice. You know, yeah. um, why talent agency? If you don't mind me asking, like why did you oh. choose like this career? Because it's a big decision. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that I've always been very attracted to um, the like visual entertainment world. Um, so I did my undergraduate work in film studies. Um, I did my master's in film studies. And as you know, I was like at UCLA pursuing my PhD also. Um, but I didn't grow up here. Um, and I grew up in Nepal and then I came here. And so my, um, experience for a very long time with this country was in a very academic setting only. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did my undergrad work in the East coast where I thought that I could either make films or like study films, you where, know, where are these East coast? I went to Smith college. Oh, nice. Um, and then, and the, you know, like most of the. Um, academic work was like theory focused and not right. really like looking at industry. Um, and so, so like working in the industry was like not even something that I like ever thought about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, I knew I took like a few like video production classes. I like didn't really like that very much. 
but I just love film so much, and I just, mm. like, you know, wanted to be in it. Um, and so I think that's why I thought I was going to just, like, pursue it in the ways that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to L.A., um, at UCLA, of course, there's, like, the producer's program, and, like, slowly learning about, like, being in L.A., you, lo- like, you know, come across people in the industry in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um and so the more I learned about it, um, it was like, oh, we absolutely also can be pursuing this. Like, you know, just mm-hmm. because I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where my neighbor was like so-and-so at mm-hmm. a big studio or like, you know, doesn't mean that I have to not be a part of that world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like learned about that a little bit late, but it was very exciting and um I think that I was like more and more not really feeling academia very much. So it kind of coincided at the same time, um, me learning about this world. And yeah, I think like diversity and inclusion, of course, is a huge problem, has been for a while. And um, if you, if people like us can like, instead of, you know, only being engaged with like this stuff in a critical manner after it's made, if we can get in there before it's made, Mm. why not? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because um, good stories, good talent needs championing Mm -hmm. um, on both ends of that. So, so yeah. Okay. I thought I'd give it a shot. I like working with people, you know, Um, you're very charming. (laughs) Thank you. You You're like fun to talk to and you're like a fun hang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a good quality to have, uh, especially working in like, you know, like as an agent, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like I I met my friend's uh, agent. I think he's also, I I forget. He might be um, CAA. I I don't know. I I can't remember, but he's a big Uh one. He's like, and he was just so hot. (laughs) His fucking agent. I was like, Oh my gosh he was like yeah like he came to like one of his shows and i was there and he was just like shaking my hand he's like oh hi like oh nice set and i was just like oh my god you're so hot you know <laughs> like I, <laughs> so attractive he like could be working as an actor basically and yeah like comedians are so fucking ugly you know like like most of us don't try you know like <laughs> comics are like the ugliest in the industry like we're like very base we're worms <laughs> all of us are earthworms you know like um yeah we don't bathe we eat shit you know a lot of us have like drinking and drugging problems and family Mm -hmm. problems and trauma problems right yeah oh my god yeah so much of that you know (laughs) you know many many years ago um i was in san francisco and i got like this gig to um be a pa like on a small shoot that was happening at the Game Developers Association's, like, conference. Wow. Um, and it was, like, it was the who's who was there. I remember, like, the guy who, like, did Age of Empires was there. Wow. And, um, anyway, it was, like, um, it was this big conference, and you could just, like, tell the executives mm-hmm. and the, the game, like, coders, developers, <laughs> people, like, so... It's just, you know... <laughs> Just even based on outfit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like this notion of like being in the 
in the production or part of the industry in order to make the change. Like, I have a friend who um, she doesn't work in entertainment. She works in actually uh, what's his face? You know, Michael J. Fox, um, the Parkinson's disease um, oh. organization that he has. So she works in that organization, which is a big one. And part of their thing is like funding research or fundraising in order to fund research and all of this so she's like this liaison between the scientists and then mm-hmm. the people who are like working in marketing and campaigns and all of this and she also participates in grant writing like her job is so specific and uh she also is like affiliated with their their edi like initiatives so like you know, when it comes to conversations around equity, inclusion, and diversity, like she's part of that. And so mm-hmm. when researchers and scientists like ask questions related to intersectionality, or they don't ask questions related to intersectionality, she brings that in, you know, and I told her, I was like, you know, like the work you do is like, it should be a whole nother department. She's like, yeah, it should be, but um, they're very slow to making that happen. And she also said like, and I don't want to be that like the another HR, you know, she was like, I like being in the nitty gritty and talking directly to the scientists and, you know, research and, you know, the R&D people and tell them to their face, like, here's what you're missing. You know, here's here's your blind spot. And I was like, oh, that's so fucking beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we need we need that. You know, um, it, it's been like I've been very pleasantly surprised by my experience at CAA. Mm. Um, even though it's a big corporate house, you know, um, we like represent Patrice Colors, like one mm. of the founders of Black Lives Matters. Mm-hmm. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw is she has representation represented at CAA. by CAA. Like, it's amazing, badass. Right? Yeah. So. Um, you know, I think that these lines that separate like our worlds yes. are getting blurred. Oh my god! In a lot yeah. of ways, and and they should. You know, you shouldn't just have to take like a class in your liberal arts college degree to learn about intersectionality. Like everyone should be aware of that. You know? Yeah, but yeah, like that's also something like I'm thinking about more and more lately is like this feeling of conviction that one has when they're yelling or expressing anger, right? you feel so righteous and you feel uh-huh. like so on the podium. And it's like that in and of itself is a form of high. And it's also like an illusion to yeah. to think that what you're saying and doing is completely and totally correct. And everybody and whoever is in the receiving end of that fire is incorrect, you know, mm. like, yeah. I mean, um, I know you did the TAC the TAC thing, the teaching assistant coordinator thing, where we train incoming graduate students to become a TA. And like, you're like, you're one. And then Caitlin McCann also quit (laughs) her PhD after the TAC thing. And I was just like, is this just like part of the, is this just the rite of passage? Like you do TAC in your final year as a doctorate student and then you quit because you You get PTSD from TACing. One of the people who did that, my when I took that class, also quit. <laughs> it just seems like because when I was doing the TAC thing, I felt so like shook from that experience, and I questioned everything. Like I went through literally an identity crisis. My 
Yeah. My fucking therapist was like, it sounds like you're going through an identity crisis. Because they said to her, I was like, everything I've been writing about with such conviction, everything I believed in is gone. It's like, it doesn't yeah. matter to me anymore. Like she was, I, I was telling her, I was like, I've had trouble getting myself to finish the second draft so I could send this to my committee members and my advisor because I just don't feel like it rings true to me anymore. It feels like a waste of time, you know? Like I went through this phase and she was yeah. just, yeah, you question all your beliefs. You know, I think one thing I definitely learned about myself um, through that experience is that I don't do well just thinking about one thing for a very long time. Hmm. Um, maybe some people thrive on that, you know? Um, but just like working on one thing for so long, like mm -hmm. you're bound to get disillusioned by it after a while mm. or like, you know, you like stare at the same, like your own face, you stare at it long enough. And then you're like, who the fuck is looking at me? <laughs> um, <laughs> so for everyone else who wants to get a PhD, um, in film studies, like write that shit real fast. Oh yeah. Cause if you take too long, then I think you just get sick of it. You get sick of it. And yeah. that's the thing. I'm already working on my second book. You know, mm. I already have two fucking papers written about Korean dramas. I'm like, that's my second book. That's the thing mm. I'm going to do. You know, I already know it. And like, I'm excited about it. Like with my um, dissertation, like it's like it doesn't feel like my the, my stakes so-called stakes right like mm. that's like the first thing that they challenge you with when you're working on your prospectus or even during my master's year like my, you know one of the professors they were like why should anybody care to read this paper you know mm. how is it impacting how is it an issue to more than just you you know and so that's like oh shit i gotta raise the stakes i'm like okay well um you know like misogyny <laughs> misogyny and like you know uh, people are killing themselves. Suicide and misogyny. Yeah, like those are my critical angles. Those are my stakes. Suicide and misogyny. Oh and, and you know, it's like, is that fucking true? You know, like, is like analyzing a TV show going to change suicide rates and end misogyny? It's not the fucking case, right? But, um, you know, like that conviction, I guess, has died out. And so, yeah, like, with with this next project my knives are not as sharp so mm. to speak i'm more interested yeah. in figuring out like a progressive resolution to things like after once you declare me too right once you declare i've been assaulted i'm i've been a victim um those are the perpetrators once you declare that okay what's the resolution to that what what's the next step and w when you asked when I was asking a lot of these women um, this question, they all said they just had more anger as a response, mm. more more yelling, more accusation, more um, vindictiveness, which I don't blame them for. They're completely and utterly entitled to those feelings. However, that's not an answer to, well, what comes next, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do we get to healing? How do we get to reconciliation? How do we get to those steps? But there's this blockage or a gap. And I'm like, what's the answer to that? And that's what I want to answer. You know, I want to answer more like in terms of I want to find peace and healing in this um, liberal path rather than just end like at anger. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I think I also reached kind of like an impasse in um, 
critical uh, film studies or whatever that like if it was just like saying this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is problematic, right? Like is the word. Like then what next? Um, and I think that like something that organically happened to me was more and more like I found myself interested in like not what was on the screen, but what was happening outside of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, so like industry studies, like became more interesting, like the policies or like, um, you know, whatever politics was like taking place that led to X, Y, Z. Um, so anyway, yeah, we need to get past like, just, this is wrong or yeah. Like Sundance is coming up. I'm going to watch a bunch of movies without having to go to park city. It's going to be great. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do this. It's this month, isn't it? Sundance? Wow. Uh, I remember, like, every year, because when I worked in distribution, like, yeah, Sundance was the big thing that everybody looked forward to, you know? Yeah, it's a big market. It's interesting. It's, yeah, one of the biggest, like, Sundance and, like, Berlin and, um, yeah, Sundance and Berlin is the one I'm thinking about. Oh, and Cannes, of course. Cannes is a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. But fuck, yeah, um. I want to see a good movie. Like, I haven't seen... I I don't think I sat down and watched a good movie in a really long time. Have you been watching some good films, like, while you're in lockdown? Yeah, you know, I finally um, caved and took that movie um, subscriptions I've been watching. Because I'm not in academia anymore. I don't have, you know, access to all these films. So I've been, like, getting that and watching a lot of things there. And... But also, like, just HBO and, Netflix, like, every, there's just so much out there for, with streaming. So, I know. Yeah. I know. I had to cancel some of the subscriptions. Like, initially when the pandemic happened, I, like, signed up for everything. I was like, this is all I have. You know? Yeah. So, like, Hulu, HBO, all of it. I signed up for all of it. And then, like, a couple days ago, I started, like, unsubscribing from a lot of these things because... I was just like, I can't do it all the time. But... Yeah. Well, Disney, I like let go of because I was like, oh, I'm yeah. not really using it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I watched some of the Mandalorian and then I was like, I'm not watching anything else on here. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you run out. Like the Disney thing is it doesn't have that much stuff. Like I just wanted to watch like Pinocchio and Sister Act. I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? And then right, like right. when fucking Hamilton was playing, I was like, okay, I guess I have to resubs- resubscribe for a month. And then I'll rewatch Pinocchio and Sister Act, and then I'm done again. <laughs> Stop paying. I probably watch Sister's Act also. Oh, so good. Sister Act is so good, you know? <laughs> like, people think that, like, just because, we, you know, we studied film, like, they think we're, like, into, like, fucking Bellatar and, like, Godard, you know? I can't stand those movies. Like, it's just, like, kill me now. The only, um like, auteur from that era that i love is fellini like i love fellini so much like fellini films i could watch all the time i think they're so beautiful do you have like one of those like uh old auteurs yeah i love all the japanese masters oh Um, yeah like otsu yeah i love ozu i I don't mind godard (laughs) oh yeah godard's i mean godard is godard you know but i just i'm just like ah he's not for me Yeah. yeah love Truffaut. Um, wow, you do like the French New Wave people. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I like Truffaut more than Godard, because Truffaut is a little bit more, like, it's it's accessible, whereas Godard is just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just like, why? I don't get it. 
Um, oh my god. Talking about a more recent film that I recently watched that was really good. Yeah. Um, and can recommend um, Ammonite. Ammonite. Is excellent. Okay. Yeah. It has Saoirse Ronan and Kate Winslet oh, in it. I love her. Yeah. Um, it like reminds reminded me of um, that other film, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, quite a bit. Okay. So these Just are the lesbian like, films. Yes. Right. Like it's a lesbian like period yes. piece. Um, yes. But mm-hmm. Kate Winslet is just so good in it. She is an amazing actress. Yeah. I mean, I love Kate so much. Um, there was some, like, I think it was on Vulture or something, or Salon, I don't know. But one of those um, articles, uh, they were like, why are lesbian films always, like, period pieces? Do you have any thoughts on that? Huh. <laughs> they often tend to be, right? Like, they have to be set in the past. Yeah, so then where they're wearing kind of thousands like... of petticoats and can't really access each other's vaginas anyhow. It's like yeah, 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 like the one with the queen, right? Um... Yes, yes. Oh, so good. And and the bunnies. The favorite. Yes, the favorite. Yeah, such a so good, good film. Yeah, mm. I love that movie. Yeah, I don't know. They shouldn't always have to be in the past. Why do they do that? Yeah. Um, Why can't we have a like... contemporary dyke film? Even like the the one with um, Kate Blanchett, and uh, what's her face? You know, that's also technically a period film, right? Set in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Woody Allen film. Oh, no, no. not Woody Allen. Todd no. Haynes. The Todd, Todd Haynes film. film. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was it called? I forget, uh, but it was a huge hit. Yeah, it was so good. Um, yeah, why are they like that? I think it, like, um, is kind of easy to romanticize the past a little bit. Yeah. Or, like, you know, like, dress it up. Hmm. Um whether it is with like a lot of mud or like beautiful <laughs> costumes like there's like with in the past you can like yeah make it more like i don't know it's more painterly yes um, it is beautiful yeah the present mm-hmm. um but what was a lesbian film that was set in the present yeah like a contemporary lesbian movie well there was that holiday one that came out recently <laughs> did you see that no with Chris and Stewart. It just came out. Um, oh. The holiday is that? <laughs> no, the that's the Kate Winslet picture with oh, Jude God. Law and let's see Cameron Diaz and Jack Black. That movie, I was just like, that, what a crazy cast! Like that movie is really good, actually. Come <laughs> to think of, really don't like that movie. I was just like, this is bullshit. The whole time this movie was happening, I was just yelling at the screen the whole time. I'm like, this would never, ever fucking happen. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart's uh, bi, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's nice that she finally got to play uh, an openly queer character, I guess. Yeah. Um, except I can't find this out. It's okay. It wasn't very good. <laughs> it got a lot of flack. Like people thought it was really hmm. bad and toxic. Um, <laughs> but I like. I thought it was fine. Um, Clay, uh, you know, um, Claire Duvall from But I'm a Cheerleader directed it. Mm. Uh, let's see. Wow, a woman directed it. That's nice. Happiest season, not okay. the holiday. Happiest season. Mm. Yes. Is this about WWW? Yeah. Did you get to watch some of it? Or Yeah, I watched some of it. Um, these episodes are so long. They like, are. This is, not yeah. a, this is not a fast-paced drama by any means. Yeah, it was all over an hour long. <laughs> um, 
it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think over here, it's like search engines, like just the Google, right? Yes. Um, so that was interesting that it was about two different... Like, well, I mean, Google d did have a, a competitor, Yahoo. Once upon a time. Once yeah. upon a time. But mm -hmm. yeah, who, who fucking talks about Yahoo? You know, when somebody has a Yahoo mailing account, I laugh at them. Yeah. Do they still have that? Bing? Remember Bing.com? <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these yeah, sites. Yeah. It's like, what's the point of you anymore? But they're, they're hanging on. Um, yeah. But, like, what I love about this show is, like, how fucking queer it is. It is the most lesbian show ever. Yeah. And, like... It's basically a like a tr a love triangle between three women essentially. Like all the men in this show are like very much like on the peripheral, except for the protagonist's man. Like you know, it's like an ongoing thing. It's like she doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to have babies. He's an adoptee, so he has this thing, and he wants to have a, like a wife and babies to make up for his loss. And that Wait, is, is that what happens to Park Morgan? <laughs> Yeah, like, sorry. Oh my god, like, I would not have guessed he, that. He's an adoptee. He was he was raised by white people in Australia, and then um, he returned to Korea. Um, he returned to Korea because it felt more like home to him. But oh, okay. I've only seen like three or four episodes. So, but three or four episodes that's still good because like in episode yeah. three, do you remember the scene when um, that bitch boss mentor lady and her uh, like high school like. Yeah. girlfriend chick they're outside scarlet. in a motor huh scarlet, scarlet. yes scarlet yeah. she goes outside to have smoke and then a motorcycle comes by and the scarlet like do you remember that that yeah. scene when they're looking at each other yeah. Yeah. i was just like kiss hurry up and make out yeah. you know it was like so so suggestive there's a lot of um like Oh, and then there's like a flashback where um, Scarlett is telling Betami about her yes. relationship yes. with the with the super boss. Um, yes. And it's like when I was playing judo and there's that scene where she's like literally like she falls on the judo mat and then they have like an eyeline mat. Exactly. Where, like it is so overtly lesbian. Yeah. Like it's amazing. But yeah. then they have her be in a relationship with that Matthew. Like what? <laughs> Which I like. What kind of terrible casting is that? Like everyone in this is so good, and then they like have this guy who's such a fool. But I think like, that's the point. It's like the women are the ones that are like real people, like concrete, solid. They have complex stories, but the men are like ridiculous. It's like yeah. it doesn't add up that they would ever date them or be interested in them. They're all jokes, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like that's the that's the 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 veneer that we need to see past and be like, yeah. oh, like they're the guys are just there to kind of like just check off a box to maintain quote unquote status quo. But these chicks are all dykes. You know? Yeah, totally. So I don't know. <laughs> do they ever explain what the deal is with that marriage of convenience? Like, why are they like, why does the husband still like the main boss so much? Um, there is deep respect for each other and a weird But he's love. not gay? I just he's... thought they were both queer. Okay, well, I... Yeah, yeah. No, he's not gay. Um, okay. He genuinely has... I think it mostly stems out of, like, sympathy for her. Because his mom, 
right? The big boss's mother-in-law is a fucking monster. Right. I love the matriarchal intensity of this show too. Like she's the head honcho behind like, you know, everything, but she's also like the biggest villain. You know, I'm like, yes, bitch, you yeah. with your amazing hair. You know? <laughs> she has the white hair with like the black underneath. I was like, I love your hair. But like, yeah, yeah he um, just like felt bad for his wife because his mother is like bullying the shit out of mm. the the wife. And, you know, she that 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 woman had a lot of like integrity before she got married into this shitty family and her parents basically prostituted her off to another corporate conglomerate because their business was failing. So I think he just felt bad because he watched her get abused so much from everybody and he just wanted to be an ally to her. Mm. You know, even though the marriage is a sham, he just wanted to. You know, and then like towards the end, like there's this, of course, this suggestion that like, you know, the heteronormative couple, like, you know, even though they they separate, they still like there's a potential future for them as suggested. Uh, But um, the most solid relationship out of all of them is among the three women. Mm. And that stands like that's that's solid. And I was just like, this is an amazing lesbian korean drama yeah what about that other lesbian the fourth lesbian who is like at unicon like the other like woman who's always oh my god i love her yeah (laughs) she is such a bulldike like such a power woman you know and she's short and she wears those big ass earrings she has that dikey hair you know the ponytail (laughs) that low ponytail that's such a dikey ponytail um yeah she also like you know there's a lot of like uh capitalist tension right like power tension among all of them you know Mm -hmm. Uh, she's the ceo and like that big boss lady is technically her um you know like a rank below hers but that ceo she answers to this woman's mother-in-law because the mother-in-law is the miss moneybags so like oh my god the when they first introduced the mother-in-law like that scene is so good so good painting like this Mm. nude model yeah (laughs) and so this conflation of like fine arts with like perversion like Mm -hmm. bad qualities and yeah you know it's just so funny yeah and and it's leisurely you know right and she has a live model it's a man right like she has this like naked dude yeah Yeah. that fucking bitch she like tattoos guys you know like she's like so badass it's amazing yeah oh. like i i loved i loved the female characters on this show and honestly like that's part of the reason why this show didn't do so well in all honesty like it's not a typical rom-com it's not even a typical yeah. romantic drama you know it's like yeah. the whole love affair and obsession it goes from a one woman to another woman you know mm. and um but I love I loved all of that stuff. So I'm so happy so, that you saw a few episodes. Yeah, so it didn't do well then. That makes it yeah. it wasn't um no, it didn't get high ratings. Um yeah. even like out here, you know, like I posted some clips on TikTok and a lot of people were like, What is this show? And then some of the people would answer and be like, Oh, it's search WW and a lot of them were like, This is a very underrated show and I'm like, Yeah, yeah. it's very underrated. Yeah. But it's good, like in terms of just if you know like for for lesbians and like by women to just watch and just be like yeah. oh shit you know like it's happening <laughs> yeah i don't I've, i haven't seen that many but like the number the the like what i have seen i think this one is the most like queer that i like i agree yeah 
I agree. Sure. You know, a lot of people say like coffee prints is like the gay show. I'm like, uh-uh, no, 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 <laughs> dude. No, no. Like I need to see that. Like a woman, like prints. a woman, tr- like cross dressing as a man or passing off as a man. Like that's a trope that's been done like so many times in Korean dramas. Um, I'm just like over it. You know, it's not that queer. Also, like whatever. Like they were, they weren't even that gay. You know, like. This mm. is fucking gay. Yeah. There's even a scene like uh, when Pitami, because you know Scarlet is a few years younger than Pitami, and Scarlet, you know, she like doesn't respect Pitami, and they have this whole beef with each other, right? There's a scene when um, Scarlet gets drunk, and then Pitami brings her over to her house, and the oh. Scarlet's in Pitami's bed, and Pitami's like, "So you sleep here? I'm gonna sleep." on the couch and Scarlett's like begging Pitami to please sleep with her in the bed and Pitami's like no so Scarlett says Onni which means like big sister which is yeah. like a sign of like submission and like awe and and then Pitami stays and I was like you y'all bitches are so gay I she love stays this in bed with her yeah they like sleep in bed together yeah and it's just like because like in like with with a lot of korean dramas like you know it's like between a woman and a man right and the man's usually older and like when a girl's acting like a bitch and like she wants something out of him she'll call him oppa which means like big brother but Uh she does it with the girl you know she's like i'll call you anni you know and then pitami kind of concedes yeah when in the last episode i just watched um you know the betami like has figured out the the it hacker lady has found out that it was they put her name on the search like uh-huh. ranking, you know, and they found the guy who did it. Yeah. And so Scarlet like turns like has that lighter and like t- turns the the <laughs> yeah um, the sprinkler wa- the sprinklers on, and then she like pulls out an umbrella and then goes and stands <laughs> with the umbrella like shielding Betami, which is just like so many instances in this show yes. where they're like very clearly giving yeah. us all the signs that this is actually a queer romance that's happening yeah. but they can't just like come out and say it right like yeah. so if you want to read it here it is yeah um, yeah this is like such a like a lesbian k-drama like i loved it and in fact like um they they had a a show called uh, daughters of bilitis it was on kbs actually so it was on a public broadcast it was literally about a lesbian queer community and really? it was like a mini series it wasn't very long but yeah it was like from years ago they aired it um and i never got to see it i can't find it anywhere uh oh. i want to see it so that i could write about it and you know just add it to my research but it's like hard to find, but my friend Sam, he he's gay. He saw it and he was like, "Yeah, that's like the only like gay thing I've seen in terms yeah. of Korean drama wise." Um, but this one, it's like it's extremely you know subversive, extremely transgressive. Um, yeah. While kind of you know quote unquote these these girls like men, you know, but right. it's like and even yeah. but even in the heterosexual things in it, the heterosexual pairings, it's actually not that heteronormative. Um, you know, mm. because like we have that one marriage that is not a traditional marriage. Exactly. Right? So that's an interesting kind of pairing. And then mm-hmm. the woman has like affairs with these like younger actors. Yep. Yep. Um, and Bethami's relationship also, she's like, they make it very clear that she's like much older. 10 years um, older. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, they, it's, a de- it's definitely not your traditional 
no romantic pairings no like they're like nobody's expecting rings exchanged at the end of the show Mm -hmm. you know like that's like the big thing like the guy says i love you she says i love you too and then he gives her a ring and it's like ta-da like happily ever after and they usually end there or they'll even make the chick walk down the aisle and it's like now we'll end or they'll even have a kid punch down they're like now it's the end you know but it's like this none of those are even potentials in the future you know it's just like the men are not at all the primary candidates of these women's affections. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting show. Mm. Um, the internet is also just like such a terrible, filthy place, right? So it's like yeah. a good backdrop to have. Um, it is. It is. And like some of the know. themes that they explore, they they are also um, acts of transgression via the narrative, you know, like making Pitami, like, you know, that you know, she's like the scandalized one, you know, Um, you know, it's like the internet is not that democratic, you know, there's all, you know, government has their hands in it, corporate conglomerates have their hands in it, you know, it's like revealing to the the viewers, it's like, the internet is a shitty place. Also, you're a part of that shittiness, you know, right? Um, Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. Um, The guy who plays Park Morgan, is that the same guy from the IU show? my mister yes that's what i thought okay yes. i was like why does he look so familiar yes. and why am i like so creeped out by him yes. okay that's why yeah that you, you saw that show my mister yes i did it's oh my so, god what you think so good so good right so, i mean i love iu so oh, i love I her too but she biased. was amazing on this show was she not i can't tell you how many times i cried oh my god was i was dying i was like Oh my god, I was bawling my eyes out. Yeah. It's so good. So, and so good. Yeah, the storytelling was just, like, so... I mean, it was so exaggerated parts of it, but parts of it were so subtle. Like, it was just, like, such a lovely mix. I thought it was, like, a very realist show, you know? Yeah. Like, it felt like an, like an FX drama, you know? It didn't feel like one of these hyperbolized korean dramas i love the fact that it's not a typical romance it's there was no romance essentially you know well just the part where it's like she's like caring for this old woman and she's like killed someone and you know like all that was like kind of insane but at the same time they pulled it off so well like i believed it yeah i mean unfortunately (laughs) that kind of shit is not that out of bounds like loan Mm. sharking in korea is a huge problem and Uh. uh it keeps destitute people locked in a horrible cycle for a long time Um, a lot of people end up killing themselves or they themselves end up getting killed because of loan sharks interest rates are ridiculous and Mm. you know um, the fact that IU's character didn't know that the government will pay for her grandmother's you know caretaking because she had nobody around her to tell her that right that in and of itself is so heartbreaking but so real you know that was yeah that was really like so well done that like handling of like is this like actual like oh i'm in love with this older man or is this like a an attraction towards someone who's like willing to actually just be there and like care for you yeah the warmth and compassion that he showed her that she hasn't gotten from anybody before just drinking those coffees (laughs) a meal (laughs) poor iu (laughs) I know. Out of those bags of food that she stole from the place where she washes yeah. dishes. Poor, poor, what's her name? Easy Yeah. Oh, I love that show so much. I'm so happy that's you so saw good. it. Yeah, that's oh, such a good like, show. Oh, when she's like 
talking to her grandmother like about how like she was happy and she's like crying. But oh like, my god, I was dies. dying. Ugh, I was dying. Was so and then I was like, you knows how to sign? Like, ugh, she's amazing. <laughs> what does she not know, really? She's Ayu impresses me so much. Like she's, you know, she's an amazing singer, very talented. But like as an actress, she is like. It's really, really good, you know? Like, not a lot of people can pull that shit off. Like, what, a lot of the times when singers become actors, like, I kind of question their ability. But her, it's like, I don't know what her fucking deal is. Like, she's just, like, a born talent. Hugely talented. Yeah. So, like, good at everything she does. Um, yeah. Okay. I um, am very excited to see what else she has in store. Me too. I mean, I was watching the Hotel Del Luna thing and I couldn't finish it because I was like, this is bullshit. Um, the writers stole a bunch of shit from like the Goblins narrative. And well, it's just, the same like... people. The same people wrote, I think it's the same same group, no? No, oh, it's different not. writers. Yeah. Uh... It, that, the, the Hotel Del Luna was written by the Hong sisters, which is a, a sister pairing. They're, they write together and they're very famous and successful. I don't yeah. know why their fucking storyline had to steal so many parts from the Goblin, which is written by Kim Eun-suk, the woman who wrote Descendants of the Sun. and Oh, okay. Um, so I watched Hotel Del Luna first uh-huh. because IU. Um, and <laughs> I also, like, I didn't think it was that great, but yeah. I, like, she's just wearing amazing Gucci outfits. Her outfits like, are amazing. Scene. Yes. Colors um, are amazing. She, yeah, she looks great. Um, so I didn't realize that it was, I might have been put off by it more had I known because then I when I watched watched Goblin, I was like, oh, it seemed, it's so similar. Yeah, Goblin came first. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, way way before. Yeah. Um, and Goblin has a lot of problems, but um, I watched Goblin like I think six times because I mean it's so good. So good. The music's amazing, and fucking like the outfits that that chicken lady wears. <laughs> loved her clothes and her bags and shoes the chicken lady the chicken sunny, lady sunny yeah sunny i loved yeah. her clothes yes, and you know just the fact that this dude has like a shit ton of money and he could just like open doors into any fucking place he wants i was just like i'm into it also what a weird character leap but like why not that he was this amazing big warrior and now he's just like a metrosexual like <laughs> prissy charming pretty boy like what i know he used to defend the nation yeah and kill people like read books and he likes books it likes music and paintings yeah Yeah. he just lives this prissy ass bitch life but he's so good oh god i mean the soundtrack in that and also hotel del luna was so good and also mine really great my mr soundtrack was phenomenal yeah, I still listen to yeah. that soundtrack. Um, and also, you you had this question asking about Sun Jin and whether or not she's queer, but you saw the news, right? I why? <laughs> oh, my heart! I I mean, like they're both so attractive, so like, beautiful yes, together. I'm happy for them, <laughs> I guess. I mean, Chunbi is like, so damn. fucking pretty. Like, yeah. she basically a dyke. It's fine. Oh, I was sad. Like the whole time they were camp- like you know. Like, Sonia Jin kept posting things with Hyunbin together, and I was just like, mm. y- y'all fucking? Because it seems like mm. y'all are fucking, you know? And yeah. they, they are fucking! I'm like, yes! You know, if it had to be any man, I'm glad it's, it's I'm glad it's him. Me too. I'm glad it's him too. I'm glad it's yeah. not fucking Yi Byung-un or some gross piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Um, I love her so much. 
Oh, she yeah. is so stunning. I think she's so beautiful. Like So one of the first K-dramas I watched was um, the one where she's always buying food for this younger guy. Um, oh, yeah, Something in the Rain. Something in the Rain, yeah. Love so that's that the show. only one I've seen twice, actually. Yeah, I love that um, show. And she's, yeah, like I love, love her character in that so much. It's so good. She is such an amazing actress. Like, she can do comedy so well, as we've seen mm -hmm. in Crash Landing. And mm -hmm. then Something in the Rain is high drama. She could do that so beautifully. Like She cries so well, too. Oh, she's such a good crier, yes. <laughs> but she also has great comedic timing. I'm like, you're yeah. like fucking Jennifer Aniston, you know? <laughs> like, you can do TV, movies, drama, comedy. You could do it all. You know, you're the Everything. full package, you know? Yeah. And she's like dating somebody just as hot as Brad Pitt with Hyunbin yeah. right now. Like, well done. Okay. Yeah, well done, Sonia Jin. I I am all about her. <laughs> if and when, right? Let's say, um, let's say you find out. All right, you're this big time executive at yeah. you know the second highest you know ranked search engine in South Korea. Okay, and uh, you find out that your former mentor slash boss's husband. Um, scandalized your name on the internet and made you yeah. this infamous um, tabloid rumor scandal bitch and you find out that it, it was your your former um, boss's husband and you go to him and you demand an apology but instead he throws some money at you how, I mean, how do you respond to this how do you respond to this fucking behavior and you see his car outside how do you respond to this behavior i take the money because i'm a bitch and I would just walk out of there and I'd be like happy. But when I saw what she actually did, <laughs> I literally said that like, and then when they come out and then when she like pays him, like gives the money yeah. back to him, I literally was, I wanted to do like a slow cap. I was like, but Tommy, you are queen, just queen. Yeah. Says the same yeah. words to him, you know, like yeah. an apology is irrelevant in a circumstance like yeah. this money. Don't be a prude. Yeah. 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 Take it. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's good. So but beautiful. yeah, I was really, it was funny about the cars in this show because everyone is driving Maseratis and it's like, wow, product placement much. It's like, like it doesn't yeah. matter if you're a big time executive, you can't all afford fucking Maseratis. <laughs> yeah. Those cars cost so fucking much. They yeah. cost as much as a house. Yeah. It was just so absurd. But okay? like all of them, right? Like all, all of them. them. All five. Five of them. Like Scarlet, that bitch lady, Petami, Petami's boyfriend, yeah. the husband. They all have it. I'm like, Petami's boyfriend at the very, he can't afford a Maserati. Come on. You know, I want to I want to go back and see if I can figure out if it's like the same car being <laughs> in every scene. Like I mean, it's like one black, one white. I know? mean, I mean, uh, Korea is you know rich now, so yeah. that Maserati is definitely a, a product placement on that program. But I remember yeah. years ago, this is like almost twenty years ago, probably more. But I was watching this Korean drama, and uh, there the there's a rich woman on in that show, and she's driving around a a, a Mercedes. But then there's a scene when the Mercedes crashes and it's on fire. And you see oh. this inconsistency that it's like a like a old school like Hyundai. Oh, when it's on fire. <laughs> it is so apparent. I was like oh my God. like eight and I was like, that's not a Mercedes Benz. That's not the car she's driving, you know? 
I mean, that's how fucking broke Korea was. And now they're just like, just crash the Maserati. It's okay. Smash it to pieces. We have another one in the closet. It's okay. Just take it out. I think that's why it's like people want to watch these shows also because they're like, Hmm. so like there's so much like, like success and like good stuff in it, you know? The aspirational value of it. And it is aesthetically and visually pleasing to watch lavish opulence, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had this conversation with somebody. I was like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, that scene in Pretty Woman. Like all the girls' favorite scene in Pretty Woman is. When when she goes shopping. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We love it because it's like, who doesn't want to go to Beverly Hills and just shop till you drop with like a shit ton of money that your your sugar daddy just gave you? Fuck yeah. Yeah. It's the fantasy. It's the dream, you know? And it's like, you get to watch it, but like these bitches, you know, they're working and they fucking buy themselves a Maserati like that. I'm like, yes, I want to get to your level, Hitami (laughs) and Scarlet. And so, Grace, to answer your question, why why talent agencies? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I watched a bunch of K-dramas. This is... These are the career choices I had to make after. This is your future. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This is the bucket list. The Korean dramas are your bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be writing grants all the time. Come on. No. Fuck that shit, man. Even if you write it and even they give it to you, what is it, like $3,000 fucking dollars? So what am I supposed to do with that? I can't buy a Maserati with three grand. I can't can't even buy a bag with this. What is this? (laughs) Yeah, not the kind of bags I want, bitch. (laughs) I want Hermes, okay? Birkin bag, okay? But, yeah. Yeah, there's, but there's a lot of, um, like, like, um, like reflexivity about it also in these shows, um, which is like, yeah, it's, they're so interesting. Like when in, in the one we're talking about where Bethany's character like talks to the younger one, young, her, like not her assistant, but her younger colleague and is like literally like gives her her bag because their client that they were talking to kind of like looks down on her because of the way she's dressed and Mm -hmm. the bag she's carrying, you know, that like, it is like these things that we aspire to are not just like aspirations. They're kind of like requirements also to succeed. Like you need to act like you've succeeded so that you can succeed. Yeah. um, Yeah. The whole fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. That's what that means is like, you know, like not even not even that. Even if you just want to get good service, you know, mm-hmm. like walk into fucking Nordstrom's and you know if you want proper service, like better deck out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, otherwise they're not going to pay any attention to you. It's it's unfortunate and gross that that is how our society is, but that's how it runs, and yeah. we're a part of it. We're part of that whole system. We're not outside of it. We can be critical of it, but we're not outside of it. We have to admit that. And genuinely, I love the spoils. <laughs> like, you know, like my New Year's resolution yeah. this year was like telling myself at night when Instagram targeted ads are so accurately seeing me to tell myself, Grace, you will not buy stupid shit at 2 a.m. You're delirious. You need to be in bed, bitch. You don't need you don't need a Marc Jacobs bag at this hour. Can you get the okay. fuck out? What is it about Instagram, though, that they've succeeded? Because with Instagram, the ads are always really on, on point, point for me. Like, on not point. like Facebook never. Got never. It. But yeah. I mean, I see some of the uh, when the Instagram ads are on point and I click on it, then Facebook also takes that and it's there. Uh-huh. But um, I think it's because we're on Instagram a lot. 
that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so more you're on it. We tell it more about ourselves. So yeah, we're yeah. we're t they're just our mirrors. Yes, mm. it's <laughs> holding up a mirror and being like, "This is what you asked for," and I'm like, "Bitch, you're right. I bought so much from fucking Instagram this past this past year. It's not right." I'm like, yeah. "You're taking advantage of my emotional emptiness right now and my depression <laughs> and sadness. You guys are monsters. Does that mean that I will I will not buy the the majority jewelry that you're targeting me? Of course, I'm gonna buy. I bought them. I fucking bought them. I'm wearing them as I speak." I've definitely bought a pair of earrings from there as a gift for someone else. Oh, they're so great. I love yeah. them. That's Fucking, hilarious. They're great. Uh, and, they, you know, they, they always, like, they get me with those big-ass bold print. Where it's a 75 off. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's a good deal. I, I yeah. would be an idiot, a moron, to not get into this but you go on and it's like 75 off something that costs like three thousand dollars so right you know it's fucking about, up my life anyhow what about free shipping if you like spend an obscene amount of money Ugh, and know. then you save like the nine dollars in shipping Ugh, i know you, you have to do it You've you have to, to do it i do it i'm like well it's just another pair of underwear and i'll just you know <laughs> save money on shipping <laughs> it's uh, dumb you know it's uh, like it's to the point where like because i have this new habit now where i tell myself like you will not buy stupid shit. But I say that to myself once I'm at checkout, you know, I'm at checkout and I have to walk over and get my wallet. That's the period where I'm just like, okay, Grace, like, do we really, can we reset? And I imagined that I did proceed with the checkout and I was waiting for my, my Calvin Klein underwear for like three weeks and it hasn't arrived. And I was getting mad. And then I realized I never pressed checkout. Like it was just in, in the cart. I didn't go through with it. You know, that's where my fucking brain is at. Like I'm tricking myself. You know, this happens to me a lot though, where I buy shit and then when it comes, I like don't care about it. That's what I'm right? saying. Right. So then it's like stopping yourself at checkout is really good because yeah. you've got that thrill of the like, thrill looking mm -hmm. and all like kind of like almost buying and like you save the money because once it would have arrived it wouldn't have mattered anyway so. it wouldn't have mattered and like you know the box I'm, i don't even know what the fuck it is you know yeah yeah that happens all the time yeah yeah you're no, not, alone. Learned. You're not alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is enthralling you know like going through and clicking on the size and putting it in the card and like right Oh, I love it. But yeah, I just, I stopped there. Like even yesterday, like All Saints, they were like, you know, you want this leather jacket. Like you've been, you've been telling everybody you want a leather jacket and I fucking put it in the cart and everything. And then I was like, Grace, you will not buy stupid shit. You need new tires, bitch. You don't need a leather jacket. You need to replace your tires, you idiot. <laughs> yes, get, get those tires. Yeah, but it was so nice talking to you, Sundaria. So yeah, so nice talking to you too. This was so much fun. I so much fun. love K dramas, and I'm so glad I got to talk to you about. Them. I know. I'm so happy that I have somebody to talk about, like you know, who has cinema media studies training to right. talk to about K dramas. <laughs> yeah, with. this is a rare treat for me as well. My pleasure. I'm glad all those years that I put in came <laughs> to use in some way. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about a very popular show that came out in 2020 called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. It stars the very beautiful Soyeji, who I have a huge crush on. Like, I can't get over her. And there are many beautiful women in Korean dramas like Song Ye-kyo and 
Sonyeojin, but I would say Soyeji is the only woman that I have like this serious of a crush on while watching a Korean drama. Like if I met her, I would be very nervous. Check it out if you haven't already. It's a really great show. It combines comedy very well with heartfelt storytelling and with a psychotic thriller. So it's if it's got a combination of all of those things if you if you're into that. As always, if you have questions, email me. Email kdramaschool at gmail.com. You can visit the website, kdramaschool.com. There's a blog. You can check out the blog if you'd like. Also, just follow. Follow the Instagrams. Follow the Twitters. Follow the TikToks. At kdramaschool. So easy to remember. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just look up kdramaschool on YouTube and you'll find us there. You can also subscribe to Apple Podcast. Leave us five stars and a nice review. I'd really appreciate it. So thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.